Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Min, joined as always by my producer to the stars and co-host, Chris Brito. Today, we're going to discuss more of the Knicks' struggles and their plans for the NBA trade deadline. But first off, Chris, my friend, great to see you. Great to hear you. How are you? Hey, Stevie. Always happy to be here on the All Hoops Podcast. Guys, we have a very special guest. We have Tom Piccolo of, of Talking Knicks. We talked about a, a range of things. We talked about why IQ should start, what we should do with Julius Randle, some possible trade deadline ideas. Steve, kick us off. We have an amazing treat for all the Knicks fans here. Tom Piccolo of Talking Knicks is here to talk about this very disappointing team. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, guys. No, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Uh, just in general, I try not to let the team's performance get me down too much you know like it, it's just one of those things that I know I can't control so I try to just you know I roll with the good times and and the bad times I try not to get too low either so uh yeah I'm, I'm hanging I'd in. I'd love to hear how you do that because they ruined my day. <laughs> yeah I, I just I try not to lose sleep over it it's really one of those like uh grant me the serenity to control you know like the other things I can't control exactly like I um I don't know man it's just I I love the Knicks community. I love watching the games. I look forward to it pretty much every, every night they play. But uh, yeah, when they lose, it's very disappointing, but I try not to let it linger and like affect my, my day to day. Makes sense. Makes sense. It sounds like the best strategy, honestly, moving forward with this season, at least Tom. Yeah, it, it's healthy, but it's also easier said than done. So I don't always, I don't always accomplish that, but that's always the goal at least. So sure. let- Let's talk about these Knicks. They're 23 and 26. You know, Julius Randle is giving you more of season one Julius Randle versus season two Julius Randle. And I don't really know what to do with him. He's on this very big contract. He's having problems with the fans. Is he a guy you still want to build around or is he a guy you're looking to trade at this trade deadline? It's tricky, right? Because if you look to move him now, you'd really be selling at an all-time low. I mean, would you have to, you know, attach assets just to get off of his contract at this point is, is a totally fair question, which would have seemed crazy at the beginning of the season, which goes to show just how quickly things can turn around. And you think if they can turn around in one direction, they could potentially turn around in the other direction too. Um, it, it has been immensely frustrating to, to watch Randall perform the way he has. And so you wonder like what, what to do with him. Right. And I, I think that the biggest thing, and, and you hear a lot about this on Nick's Twitter is about holding him accountable and that's holding him accountable for, for the way he plays. Well, you know, and, and also off the court too, trying to get him to, to speak with media too. I, I know it's a little thing to harp on, but it all, all these little things add up, right. As far as the perception of the team, the psyche of the team and just kind of the, the general mood, I think holding him accountable to playing defense to doing the little things that we saw him doing last year um, that goes beyond just making his shots, right? Like we know that the shot has kind of eluded him so far this year, but can he continue to, can he impact the game in positive ways by cutting, by setting screens and rolling, by pushing the ball off, off rebounds? Like I, I still think that there are things he can do to impact the game because he's too talented to just be this complete zero and then this detriment to the team I think so as far as what we should do with him I I think it's just about accountability at this point and I think you really hit the nail 
there, Tom, when you talk about effort. I think that's what Knicks fans really appreciate the most, effort. You know, clearly you're not going to you're not going to shoot great every night, but what you can control and control seems to be a theme in this show, uh, at least tonight. Um, he can control the effort. He can. There were a bunch of plays last night where Julius didn't even bother to go run out on the uh, three point shooter. And that's just unacceptable, frankly. And I think everyone takes a cue from him. Um, and quite frankly, his mood is like bringing everybody else down. Uh, so if if I'm looking at places for corrections, it's someone needs to tell him, hey, dude, it's okay. Like, you know, as bad as the record, it, I mean, all things considered, we're not in a bad place record-wise. But, you know, someone needs to tell him, hey, Julius, like, come on, man, get it, get it going. Yeah, the, I know the schedule's about to get pretty grisly here. Um, so the, the record, we might not have a leg to stand on there for much longer. But even so, like, I, I just think – you know, Randall does do a lot of the, you see him make a mistake or miss a rotation and he'll point a finger at others. And I think as a leader of this team, he has to, to remember, like to, to look in the mirror and, and take some, you know, take some ownership of how the team's performing as well. Um, part of that is, is the media piece that I mentioned earlier, but it's also just the interaction with teammates. We're seeing too many of these photos going viral of him, you know, not being in the huddle when Thibodeau is, is given instructions during timeouts, like just things like that, all these little things add up and, um, and they impact the psyche of a team. So like you see this team inexplicably missing free throws like that. That's just like kind of a symptom, I think of just how this team is. That's mental. Like we know this team is capable, physically capable of making free throws. A lot of these guys have great touch that in their careers, they're good free throw shooters. And for whatever reason, this year they're missing. And I think that is just kind of like the product of this environment. It's kind of feels toxic. And, um, and that does, you know, you could argue it starts with Thibodeau, but I think it probably starts with your best player. I think that's how NBA locker rooms work. And, and that's Julius Randall. So one bright spot I think has been IQ regardless. I will IQ and RJ, but I want to talk about IQ first because I saw you more or less put out a thesis out there of how, your case for why IQ should start. And after, we actually also have a buddy who also believes in the same thing. Uh, so can you tell, tell our, our, our listeners a little bit about why you think IQ should be starting instead of Burks? Yeah, so I think those who are critical of Quickly will say that he's not a traditional point guard. And that's why, you know, and the, the Knicks team needs someone, needs like a driving, penetrating point guard. That's what all Thibodeau offenses need. And that Kemba kind of fits that bill better. And I, like I said, I, I agree that Kemba Walker is a more traditional, is a better traditional point guard than quickly is at this point in his career. But it, it really, that point doesn't matter because of the way Kemba is being used in this offense. Right. And, First of all, when we saw when Kemba was out, how this offense looked, it ran exclusively through Randall and RJ. We saw that that Pacers game a little while back when both guys had over 30 points. And it was just that's where the offense flowed from. And then Kemba, when he came back, just kind of there was a little bit of a hiccup. It, it didn't really work very smoothly when he tried to be reinserted into the lineup. And I think it's because that's not the player who Kemba is. Right now he's being relegated to the corner he's throwing a 
a dribble handoff to RJ and pistol action, right? The, the one play where they give the ball to RJ and he tries to get downhill going to his, to his left. Or he's just like kind of throwing a pitch to Randall and Randall's doing some ISO thing. Kemba Walker is not doing the things that a traditional point guard would do. So leaving him out there because, because of that doesn't make any sense. Whereas quickly has shown some real chemistry, first of all, with RJ and Randall. I'm looking at his numbers right now on cleaning the glass. The trio of, of IQ, Barrett, and Randall are plus 6.7 points per 100 possessions. And, you know, that's primarily because of their elite defense when they're all together. Like, this is a trio that works, quickly brings a lot of things defensively on the other side of the ball that, that Kemba doesn't. And quickly is just – he's hungry at this point. He's still young. He still brings the energy. He wants to push – and he he brings those things that the that the starting unit desperately needs. Not and to I mention, you know, him oh, with Obi Toppin. You know, those alley oops are they nothing gets the garden going more than those. Well, exactly, and that's the thing is, I, I think that Toppin is a guy who needs more of that traditional point guard. And so, even early in the season when Kemba was completely taken out of the rotation, I was arguing for Kemba just to be moved to the bench, and especially with Derrick Rose out and that second unit not having a, a point guard really at all. Um, like these are players in your Obi Toppins and in Quentin Grimes who do need guys to set the table for them. And I think Kemba would be very, very good at that. Um, his, his defensive liabilities wouldn't be as pronounced against other second units. And he could really lead that, that group, especially I think Toppin would benefit hugely from playing alongside Kemba. Uh, with Derek Rose out. So I think there are just a lot of benefits to, to moving Kemba to the bench, bringing quickly um, to the starting unit. And you know, that it's, it's one thing, it's not going to fix all the problems, but it's something I just want to see. Like we know that Kemba isn't the long-term solution at point guard for this team. We know that Alec Burks isn't the long-term solution for point at point guard for this team. We don't know as much about quickly. We need more information. And I think that's the way you get it. You know, and the other thing, too, an engaged Kemba Walker could pay off dividends for that team. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily think we lack scoring with our bench unit as constructed. But, you know, if IQ moves to the starting lineup, there is there will be a lack of a focal point. And, and that's where someone like Kemba, who even with his terrible knees, can still, like, jump in and, and, and do a great job. And so there's also been a lot of chatter at least from what I've seen on Nick's Twitter, the case for Deuce to also be part of this rotation. Um, and I think, you know, in those days where Kemba can't play, this is where someone like Deuce can really, like, step in and, and sort of be um, – provide that extra like, – like, develop that chemistry with that bench unit. Because, you know, if, as you said, we know what we have already with, with Kemba and, and Burks as PG, moving everyone up may be a solution. I mean, well, not exactly a solution, but at least it's worth trying to, in this season. I'm, I'm curious about, about Deuce. Um, you know, that's another situation where like we as fans don't really have as much information as we don't see the practices. We see the, the G league games. If we're watching, we'd certainly see the box scores. And then we've just seen the few minutes that Deuce has played. Um, and yeah, he's been impressive. Like, I mean, especially his on-ball, de- his point of attack defense is is very strong. Um, but yeah, I mean, would would Deuce's insertion into this rotation actually um, 
you know, move the needle at all. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'd be a little skeptical of that, but you know, I, I think that there's enough playmaking certainly in this starting lineup with, with RJ and Randall enough like ball dominance and Fournier too. I mean, I, you know, we'll talk about whether Fournier will be here <laughs> past trade deadline, but uh, you know, Fournier actually does, play well with the ball in his hands. He likes to get going downhill. He likes launching that floater. He can do a little passing on the drives too. So I'm between RJ Randall and Fournier. Like you don't need a ball dominant point guard. You need a guy who's going to be willing to move it. And yes, I, I have heard that quickly. And I agree Like quickly shot selection can be questionable at times, but I think if he's playing alongside guys like RJ and Randall, then he's going to defer to them a little bit more. And I think be a little bit more, um, you know, selective in those shots. You might've just answered my next question with the practices, but why did the Knicks trade a first round pick for Cam Reddish if they're not going to play him? No, that's a great question. And I think, you know, we knew going in that the rotation was crowded. Um, So, so I, I mean, on the last Talking Knicks podcast, I predicted that that Cam wouldn't be in the rotation. Um, and I think it was mainly because whose minutes would he be taking, right? And, and you look at the wings, like, I mean, RJ's been playing a ton of minutes. Maybe you cut those back a little bit, but he's not going to be, like, taking real minutes from RJ Barrett. Then you look to, like, Burks, who's been playing some point guard, as we know, but he's also played uh, some some backup wing. But the thing is, like, Burks has just been – valuable for this team over two seasons and he has this reputation in the locker room so would would cam reddish taking his minutes like would it cause a rift would it you know has has cam earned those minutes it boils down to like whose minutes is he actually taking right and i think for me like cam reddish should be playing some four but we've already got a log jam at four and obi toppin's already not giving getting enough minutes um according to a lot of people and i think i I agree with that mostly. Like I, I would love to see more Obi. I'd love to see some Obi at the five too, but we know kind of Tibbs is, uh, you know, his need for, for rim protection at all times. But um, I guess I'm kind of, I fall more into the camp of like uh, Cam Reddish needs to prove it to me. I'm, I'm sort of a Cam skeptic at this point based on some, some tape I've seen, you know, I've spent the last couple of seasons like really defending RJ Barrett against those who say Cam Reddish is like the, the better prospect. Um, and so it's going to take me a little bit of time to like really embrace Cam. Like he does, he has a lot of warts to his game that, that scare me. I think he's, you know, he doesn't pass the ball very well. He's one of the worst rebounding wings in the league. And some of those things are like effort and awareness that it just scares me when a player doesn't have those things. So, you know, I'd be thrilled if Cam Reddish came in and proved me wrong. But at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm a little skeptical of, of what he can contribute. I'd love to see it though. You know, I'd love to see, I'd love to be wrong. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I just wish these are things they thought about before trading a first round pick. I know it's a protected first. It, you know, may not convey blah, 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 but it's still a valuable asset that you gave up for a guy who may or may not play for you. And then you're going to have to decide about paying next summer. So that is a concern. No, Steve, that's a great point. I mean, because we've seen just how well this Knicks front office can draft in the back half of the first round in particular with, I mean, the Grimes selection alone, you know, induced later in the mid second round, like these are guys who have serious talent, who have the ability to be 
strong rotation players in this league. Um, and they've already shown that as rookies, Grimes in particular has been incredible. And he was what the 25th pick. So, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not like these are worthless picks to your point. So it, it's a totally fair criticism. I mean, you could have used that first round pick at the deadline to go get a guy like Jalen Brunson, who apparently could be up for grabs in Dallas. You know, they have him as a restricted free agent this summer. And I don't think they really want to pay him much because they have, you know, Lucas Max, Porzingis is Max. They're talking about Dory Finney Smith as a, guy who's coming up on the books. So I really would have loved to use a first round pick there. And I'm, I'm nervous about using both these first round picks on, you know, guys who you're going to have to pay. Yeah. I wonder, um, you know, like what Jalen Brunson's worth is. Cause you know, I do the Mavericks do it for, I mean, how many picks do you have to give up to your point? Um, I'm surprised. I've been surprised at all the reports that the Mavericks are, are hesitant to pay him because he seems like exactly what they need. I mean, yeah. he's, he seems exactly like what the Knicks need too. Like, I, I don't know. He does seem like a very good fit. I don't think he makes them like a lock for the playoffs necessarily, but I think the Knicks need good, competent players who play hard and play the right way. And I think Brunson certainly fits that mold. So I've been saying that, I've been saying that we needed a point guard since since the beginning of time. Like, if we, like, really trace back at what the Knicks' struggles have been, you know, they've been mostly on offense, and, like, they've been deficient of not only leadership at that position, but also, uh, uh, you know, Alfred Payton was fine. Uh, and I think our last legitimate good enough point guard was probably Ray Felton. So, you know... Addressing addressing that need with someone young like Brunson, I think, is a home run, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what the what it's going to cost to get him, um, how motivated the Mavericks are to to move him. You know, um, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see. But uh, yes, to your point, Steve, like the losing that first round pick as an asset, it it could come back to bite him, especially if cam reddish isn't if we don't find out what we have there so i don't know i I mean do you guys think that that reddish should be playing more minutes and if so kind of where do they come from i think he should be playing more minutes i but as you said i don't know where they come from i there was a report today from uh, brian windhorse that basically said the knicks would be very open to trading some of their vets like fournier and burks and and walker and yeah of course they would you know walker was out of the rotation for a while fournier is making 20 million a year and you know of course. So if they can move one of those guys, of course, you'd love to get Reddish some more minutes and see if he could be part of this young core. But right now, I don't think that those guys are really movable other than Burks, because, you know, he could be a, a valuable, you know, eighth guy for a, a contending team. But right now they're in a weird spot because you could see them being buyers for a guy like Brunson. You could see them being sellers. And then you could see them trying to do this blow it up trade where you're trying to trade, you know, Julius Randall for a, a piece that maybe fits with Barrett better. So the other thing too, right? Like you have a big decision with Mitch coming up also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if, I think if I was Nick Spratt, I'd probably resign Mitch right now, but who knows where, where they're, where they're, where they're at, they're at the moment. Yeah. So you know, I wonder if even if there's a good enough deal, you throw in Mitch, who has been playing fantastic over the month of January. Um, but in terms of realistic options, <laughs> who do you guys think we can get at the trade deadline? 
Yeah. I mean, so it, it all depends on what you're giving up. Um, and I think, well, so first of all, you mentioned that Burks is movable. I, I agree with that. I think he's, he's certainly movable. I also do think that Kemba, you know, Kemba has shown some, some ability we saw in that Timberwolves game when he hit those three threes consecutively in crunch time. Like there've been moments, there've been stretches where he's felt like an impact player. And, you know, like I said, I was talking about earlier, just because the Knicks aren't using Kemba properly or using him to the best of his ability doesn't mean he couldn't be like a, a strong sixth man, like a third guard off the bench who comes in, gets you some buckets um, is just a competent, smart point guard off the bench. Like I, I think that's where Kemba's at in his career. And I think that could be very valuable as just a veteran presence. I think he's a, probably a good locker room guy. That's all we'd ever heard about him prior to his arrival in New York. And then there've been some, you know, there's been some uh, murmurings of Kemba's benching, causing some, some rifts within the Knicks locker room. So um, I, I think that Kemba would be movable. Fournier, like I, he's actually been playing better, I think in the last few weeks than he, than he did um, towards the beginning of the season. Could, could he have some value? It, it's, it is a big contract for what he's providing. Um, especially when it's really just kind of one way shooting and he's, he's not doing a whole lot, especially on the defensive end. Um, as far as realistic, realistic moves, it, it's, it's tough. Like I, I don't think you're getting a whole lot back. I think that when you're trading these vets, what you're doing is opening up spots for the younger guys. And that's kind of what you're getting in return. Could you get like a second rounder or something for Burks? Hopefully. But the bigger thing is, is opening up minutes for, for the younger guys. I think that's, that's more the asset you get in return. Yeah. It's just interesting to see how this plays out because on one hand, you have a guy like Thibodeau who plays these vets as many minutes as he does. And then you have a front office that may want to, Let's see what these young guys can do. And they seem like they kind of conflict, you know? So I'm curious to see if they're on the same page and if they're not, who's going to win this battle. I don't know. The thing is with that, with that line of thinking, like Thibodeau has shown, he's proven his open-mindedness to playing young guys when he likes them. Grimes is getting big minutes these days. He's a major part of this rotation. He's a rookie, like, but he's proven that he's going to, get on guys on defense. He's going to knock down shots. Like he, he knows his role and he's going to be a star in his role. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think that Thibodeau has some, some sort of trust in quickly as well. Like he's ridden quickly as a point guard down the stretch in some games. Uh, he, he's seemed to trust him in fourth quarters. You know, has quickly always rewarded that, you know, there's been some questionable, questionable shot selection. Like I mentioned, some questionable playmaking, uh, in recent games and, and quickly shot has kind of left him a little bit this season, but still, even with all that IQ still getting minutes. I, I think that Thibodeau will play young guys. It's just, you know, they have to earn those minutes and they have to earn them over the vets who are in the rotation. So um, if you take those vets away, then that kind of limits uh, Tibbs's options. I'd be very, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Stevie. Oh, go ahead. And I was just going to ask, Tom, so based on what we've talked about with the front office and based on the expectations going into the season, you know, the case can be made that it's a disappointing season, obviously. But I wonder, you know, we're seeing a jump from RJ. 
we're seeing point guard like you know abilities for for IQ. We're seeing Grimes being a rotation player. The those three things are probably more important than any outcome of the season because we weren't going to win a championship anyway. Sorry guys. Um, if we don't make the playoffs, is it still disappointing? Uh, you know, I, I think that along with those three uh, factors that you just mentioned, like those storylines, and th those are great, you know, Randall's kind of devolving into what he's become, given that we gave him this long contract, that it's, it's a big issue, you know, like that, that is a big problem. So I think that does, I don't think it outweighs the Barrett piece because Barrett being a, you know, consistent, consistently very good player is, is the most important thing for this franchise at this point. Um, you know, if Barrett could actually get to like all-star level or like show an all-star ceiling at a consistent, on a consistent basis, that's the biggest thing. But I think that, that Julius, after, after securing this long-term deal, kind of, I mean, frankly, just falling apart, it's disappointing and it's hard to get around that. Like Grimes is, is a very nice piece, but he's not going to be like a primary scorer. You know, he's a, he's a very, very nice ancillary piece. I, I like him a lot. Um, he's probably one of my favorite players right now. But, you know, you need these – as a wing, you need these kind of primaries. And R.J. Barrett's potentially one of those. Um, and Julius Randle, I think Julius Randle's ability to make the – to help the young guys develop was a major storyline this year. And the fact that he's failed so far in that regard has been deeply disappointing. And so kind of – even if the Knicks – make the playing game and even make it a little interesting. I, I don't expect that first of all, but really it's, can the young guys develop next to Julius? Can they, you know, develop good habits, good winning habits from the leadership on this team. And the fact that we haven't seen that, I think that's been the biggest disappointment of the, of the season more so than the wins and losses. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Last question from us here, you know, with Julius Randall, if you have that opportunity to package him and maybe a first round pick, go get a De'Aaron Fox. Is that something you would entertain? You know, it's funny uh, that question being posed on Nick's Twitter, even like three weeks ago yeah. would have caused just an absolute uproar. Uh, I think that folks have these kind of this lingering, um, these ties to Julius Randall sort of, um, based on what he did last year, right? Like there's some loyalty there among the fan base and it has eroded whether it was the, the thumbs down thing or just the continued um, poor play on the encore performance. I do think that th that sentiment is, is kind of gone for Randall at this point. And, and it might be best to part ways like De'Aaron Fox is a guy talk about a distressed, asset of a player like the Sacramento Kings make the Knicks look like, I don't know, the Miami heat organization, like the, the Kings, the most dysfunctional franchise over the past two decades. And it's not even close. I saw was it Kirk's gold, Kirk Goldsberry put together a chart. The Knicks or the, the Kings haven't won a single playoff game in 15 years. Like they're the only team that can they're say they have the all time record after this year. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable the incompetence that they've displayed over there. So, you know, 
getting De'Aaron Fox, a, a guy of his talent out of there, I don't watch a ton of Fox, you know what I mean? But I've, I've watched enough to know that there's real talent there and I'm intrigued <laughs> to say the least. Like I would like to see it. Um, you, you look at like the guys who are the worst jump shooters in the league right now. And I think, uh, De'Aaron Fox is just like 0.1% better than Julius Randle. So it's yeah. not like you're getting some world beater, uh, shooting the ball, but he brings other things to the table too. And so I, I would be, I'd be open to that for sure. He reminds me of like early, early days, John Wall, where it's like, he's just so fast. He might be the fastest player in the league and just like teams just dare him to shoot. And you know, with, with Washington, he had a, a great running mate and a pretty decent team around him. So you can kind of overturn those flaws. And in Sacramento, it seems like, you know, the house is on fire and they're kind of just like De'Aaron Fox, help us. And it's just not enough. So I think I'd be very open. I think he'd be a better player out of Sacramento than he would be there. And I said, when that tweet came out a few weeks ago with Randall, I was like, this would be very similar to Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics, where he has this amazing year. He brings the fan base together. And then you trade him in a trade that yes, was the right trade to make. But at the same time, you know, players are not going to forgive you anytime soon for that. And I felt like we were going down a similar path with Randall. If we shipped him out after, you know, eight years, not making the playoffs in New York, but now with the thumbs down, he hasn't been playing well. I'm starting to think people will be on board, including Randall. You know, I, I also think it'd be an, an indictment on the front office too, right? For putting in the money in a player like Randall and like quickly giving up. So I don't know I about think- that because if he was on the last year of his deal right now, I don't think you could trade him for De'Aaron Fox. You know, I, I don't think the Knicks would, I don't think the Knicks are trading him. I don't think they are either for the record. Like, like, <laughs> like, I, I I'm trying to think of a scenario where they would. And I don't think Fox is the guy that'll make them like go crazy and, and push the button and do the trade. Well, that, that's the thing is like almost all of this talk is like dancing around the, the Knicks need that a one top tier superstar. And so I know the reports were out today about Donovan Mitchell potentially being interested in being, uh, uh, did you guys see those, those reports? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we always do. <laughs> oh yeah. And like, that would be, I mean, there's your game changer, right? Like that's the answer. Like some, some kind of good fortune like that um, of like a proper superstar being interested in coming this way. Deer and Fox, like you said, would the product be more enjoyable to watch than it is currently with Julius Randall running the offense? Likely it probably would be more fun to watch. Uh, he seems like a more dynamic player, but you're not going to, you know, compete for, for like home court in the playoffs just because you have De'Aaron Fox over Julius Randall. Yeah, I think that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, the thing <laughs> that's is, a good the way Knicks, to look at it. At the end the of the day, it's about, it's about going to like, championships and Tom yeah. drops the hammer. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on. And remember, people, you can see him on Talking Nick, so check him out there. Is there anything you want us to let the people know about before we wrap this up? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. I'll do, like, some video breakdowns as well, some tweet threads. You can you can find some stuff there. But, yeah, listen to us at Talking Nick's. We're part of John Boy Media. And, no, uh, Steve, Chris, thanks. thank you so much for having me on. Wait, Tom, one more question. What's your one bold prediction for the rest of the season? 
one bold prediction. Um, oh, I, I think I think we're gonna see some some real Cam Reddish minutes, and I think it's gonna be because <laughs> I was just thinking that Obi Toppin might get traded. Is that too is that too bold? No, I think that, no, that might be. Well, well, here's the question for you. I mean, just real quick, like what's more likely Obi Toppin getting traded or Julius Randall getting, Oh, traded? It's, it's clearly Obi Toppin. It's, it's we Obi. All know this. Well, we didn't even talk about that. Like, like <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, what I put money on Toppin being moved. I don't think so, but if you're going to make room for, for Cam Reddish in this rotation, I like him as a four. He's got like a seven foot wingspan. Like he, he can stretch. We need these kind of stretch bigs. Like a, he's a terrible rebounder. Sure. But I think that he can do some other things offensively. How about that for a bold prediction? That's as bold as I get. I don't get much. I don't get much bolder than that. So yeah, uh, yeah. moving Obi Toppin and and making some room for for Cam Reddish. How about that? You guys can yeah. clip this when that's not even close. No, we will. We will when he gets <laughs> traded. We'll send it to you right when he gets traded. You can be like, you heard it here first. So Tom, <laughs> thank you so so much, and uh, thanks, we'll Tom. talk to you soon. All right, thanks guys. Let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time here. When will these Ben Simmons rumors go away? Now there's talk that Ben Simmons could be traded for James Harden. This, this is so weird. What is going on? You know, first of all, I thought we were going to change final thoughts to the latest on Ben Simmons. We should have, right? <laughs> so well, here we are we again. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how it's taken life of its own. It's almost a running joke right now. Like, there's a new rumor every week. This time it's, oh... Moore doesn't want to trade until the offseason because the, the Sixers want to acquire um, James Harden, which obviously who wouldn't want to acquire James Harden, but who's to say that the Nets even want Ben Simmons? Um, and it's moving forward. Like you're wasting a MVP level year from Embiid again, again. It's and, so weird. And he's not getting any younger. He's putting up, incredible numbers you can make the case that he's the front runner right now for philly so we we keep going back and forth but should it should they just make the deal already yeah they gotta just make the deal already i mean you can't wait any longer just get it i mean obviously you can wait two more weeks till the trade deadline but that's it you know and i think these rumors yes they would love to have james harden right but is is the Nets really going to trade Harden in division? Are they really going to do this? And like, they need the Nets to cooperate to get this, you know, even if Harden goes, I want to go to Philly, they still need the Nets to cooperate to make the money work. I think this might just be posturing to say, let's steal, see if we can steal two more first round picks out of the Sacramento Kings. We're already getting the take Simmons and Tobias Harris's contracts. We're getting Halliburton back. There's like Buddy Heald involved. There was Fox involved. It's like one of those two plus Harrison Barnes was a really good three and D wing. And you might be able to get more out of them because they're really dumb, as we talked about with Tom, right? So I wonder if all this is just, hey, if you don't give us what we want, we're going to just wait for the pie in the sky with James Harden. Yeah, and back to the Kings real quick. You know, you gain nothing out of not pulling the trigger already. You know, trade the trade deadline is coming up. And quite frankly the Kings are always going to be in disarray. And I think getting someone like Ben Simmons will do wonders. So whatever it is, just throw it in there. Already. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Just start from zero. 
it's just so weird because this is a team that clearly is doing this because they need a shakeup. They're tired of being laughed at. They're tired of this whole, we're going to have the all-time record for playoff misses, right? But Benson is not going to be ready for three, four weeks. He's not working out much. He's sitting on his couch, apparently. It's like, you're literally just going to be like waiting for him to get back into basketball shape and ready to go. Like if you make this trade, you know, February 10th, he might not be ready till March 1st. And then all of a sudden you need to what clear five, six games to make the play in tournament. This is just a mess for the Sacramento Kings. If I was them, I would just keep Halliburton. I would keep Fox. I would just, you know, try to see if I could get a good pick in this draft and maybe draft a wing who can help, you know, complement those guys. Don't draft another point guard. You already have like four of them, but I, I wouldn't give up the farm for Ben Simmons. I get it. They're the Kings. They're stupid and bad, but like, don't blow this up and start with Ben Simmons. Like they have a lot of really good young pieces that a lot of teams want. Yeah. I mean, we, I guess we don't regret as much not getting Halliburton anymore, but Halliburton is definitely one of those guys. I, very I mean, we're talking about giving away Obi Toppin and like it's a throw in in a trade. Halliburton, we are starting point guard and solve so many problems. <laughs> I still I want him, but yeah. like like when we were talking with Tom, like literally, like we get a point guard, and and I want to say eighty to ninety percent of our problems are solved. I would I would think so too. We're still the Knicks, unfortunately, but point guard eighty percent of the problems. But that is going to do it for us here on the All Hoops Podcast. Chris, always amazing talking basketball with you, my friend. Hopefully, by the time we get back next week, we'll have some juicy NBA trade deadline rumors. Big thanks to Tom Piccolo for joining us. Go watch him on Talking Knicks, and we'll be back next week. Bye, everyone. Take it easy. Wait, 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 Chris. Before we wrap the show, something is weird is happening. Andrew Wiggins has been voted an NBA All-Star starter. What has happened? So I think health probably froze over. Uh, I can't explain why Wiggins isn't is in this conversation to begin with, but he has to thank fans. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't understand it. This doesn't make any sense, Chris. I mean, he's having a nice year, 18 points a game, four rebounds, a career high 40% from three, but this is insane. You know, the, the guard front court thing doesn't make a lot of sense because you can't put Mitchell in over him. You can't put Devin Booker in over him or Paul, you know, and then once Paul George got hurt, Anthony Davis got hurt. You kind of look and go, you're running out of guys who could actually make this spot. So Andrew Wiggins kind of makes some sense. This is terrible. Oh, I totally agree with you. And the most disappointing aspect is that like there were other guys like Booker, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert in, in, in Utah. I mean, granted, those positions were already sort of taken in Gobert could have been guard or front court. So he's a front right. court. So I don't understand why someone like Wiggins gets in there. And because they're the Warriors. Dis- I, he almost voted in Zaza Pachulia. It's, it's a disservice. But, I mean, it kind of is what it is. It's going to be embarrassing when he's going to be like the, the second or, 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 or last person picked. Yeah. No, it's going to be really funny. As a starter, he's going to be, this, you know, second to last one picked. But that is just super weird, and I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's a shame. Good for Wiggins. He's having a better year. That's true. That's true. Good for him. Revitalize his career. He looked like a lost cause in Minnesota. At the same time, it's a shame because a really good young guard like SGA or DeJounte Murray is now going to be left off this roster. This is not enough room for them all. 
I think that's the biggest disservice there because, you know, again, Wiggins having a great year and it, he's he's not breaking any rules. These are the rules that are in play right now. But, you know, as you said, someone like Murray, who's been killing it in fantasy, by the way, uh, I'm playing Steve this week in fantasy. Um, it's just not fair. Um, but on the East, on the East, I, so it's DeRozan, Embiid, Trey, who am I missing? Giannis. Um, DeRozan. DeRozan. You say DeRozan? Yeah, I did say DeRozan. Oh, and, uh, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Jamar DeRozan. Durant, okay, so Durant is, uh, is hurt. Yeah. So he's going to be replaced. So, so he's going to be replaced. I think I agree with all, all that list. Uh, I don't expect Kevin Durant to play in the All Star game, though. He already has been ruled out. He's already. Oh, okay, great. But uh, very weird. And uh, good job by the NBA to make this important enough where we care enough to literally go crazy about this. You know, most things you don't really care about that much, All Star wise. But uh, the NBA does such a great job with their their weekend that it makes us care. And this is weird, but also congratulations, Andrew Wiggins. That's going to do it for us again here on the All Who's podcast. We'll talk to you real soon. Hopefully not too soon. And that's not more breaking news, but we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.